You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pulse of Fins Nation. This is going to be the post-Super Bowl version of it. I am your host, Louis Sung, and I am joined by Eric Weideke and Andy Romero, who are both going to be joining me for the, uh, for the upcoming future until uh, Ron Caniff and Ch- Chad, and not Chad, like I Chad came on a few times, but it's uh, Chris Early, otherwise known as Duke. Uh, hope everybody's doing well. And you gentlemen, I appreciate you filling in for them as the offseason rolls on. They don't want any, they're, they're dolphined out, they're footballed out. So. <laughs> I mean, I feel like to some extent, we might all be a little footballed out after everything that went down. And uh, it's actually interesting because one of my coworkers at work is a 49ers fan, and he just kind of shrugged and said, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> like, that's how he felt about it. It's like, it is what it is. He, he kind of, I think he kind of had this, uh, this feeling going in that this is how it was all going to go down, right? And that at the end of the day, it was going to be the Kansas City Chiefs holding that Super Bowl trophy because that just seemed it is, it is inevitable, as it were. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to talk about some of these lessons that the Dolphins can learn from this Super Bowl. And uh, I'm sure that some of us have some different takeaways. I see Eric's eyebrows raising as if he has something, uh, some poignant point he wants to make. And I'll let him get into that in just one moment. But before that, really quick, just want to go ahead and mention that this show is brought to you by Diet Smoke. So if you're somebody who's looking for a new place to get your smoking needs, you can go to dietsmoke.com. You can buy premium THC, Delta HTHC, Delta 9 THC, and CBD online. Diet Smoke is giving you that beautiful balanced buzz if you're something, if you're somebody who's looking for that need. So you can use the promo code WADDLE and you can get 50% off any item as part of the three yards per carry deal that we have going on right now. So again, that's promo code WADDLE at dietsmoke.com to go ahead and get started with your smoking needs. All right, so uh, Eric, you had you your eye. When I see eyebrows go up, that means that a thought has occurred. So I'm gonna go ahead and just let you go first, just to get it out the way. What's going on, man? What's going on in that brain of yours? I said in the pregame, or I said in before the pod, um, the game, the result of the game made me sad, and it made me sad because for the first time. Watching watching the confetti fall and Patrick Mahomes holding the trophy again, um, the Chiefs mountain felt insurmountable for the first time because I looked at the 49ers all season long as like this idealized version of what the Dolphins could be. I was like, you know what? They are, they are what the Dolphins should strive to be. They should, we, we need, you know, you need to get uh, stronger up front. I'd love to have a tight end like a George Kittle. 
Um, I'd love to have a pass rush like the 49ers have. And they had all this talent. They had far and away the more talented team on on paper than, than Kansas City did. And it still didn't matter because of Patrick Mahomes on the other side. He is the final boss. Patrick Mahomes is the final boss of the NFL from this point forward until he retires. It is Brady and Belichick all over again. And it's and it's and it's just frustrating because you're like, man, the Dolphins really could put the perfect team together and it might not be enough. It might not be enough to overcome that those guys in Kansas City. And that's that's a really sobering thought. I'm sure over the next few weeks, once the draft comes through and transactions start to happen, I'll be I'll be right back on it. Um, but looking at what happened on Sunday and and that game, now there were coaching mistakes made by the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan not thoroughly understanding the overtime rules, although I think that was probably a little overstated. Um Man, for 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 from now until fifteen in Kansas City retires, the AFC Championship game is your Super Bowl. That will be if if the Dolphins are to get to the Super Bowl and win, it will be it will be beating Patrick Mahomes will be will be the biggest achievement. Um, if if that comes to to fruition, they got to find a way to get around that team in Kansas City. I don't know how the gap gets bridged. I, I absolutely wish the Dolphins were an NFC team. Um, considering the lineup of quarterbacks you have to go through in the NFC versus what you have to go through in the AFC, the difference is ridiculous. Um, but Kansas City, just they just feel insurmountable. And they've done it in different ways. They did it with the explosive offense and Tyreek Hill in, in 2020. And then they come back with, with Isaiah Pacheco, and Travis Kelsey and kind of this dink and dunk offense that that grinds you down and they win the possession battle. It's it's just it's kind of deflating watching what I thought was the best possible version of the Dolphins come up short. And and maybe that's a Kyle Shanahan thing, but then I look at the tree of Kyle Shanahan and I look at who comes from that tree. And that's not, and I'm not starting anything with Mike McDaniel right now, but Kyle Shanahan did not run the ball as much as he should have at points in that game. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's kind of my first takeaway is like, oh my God, the Dolphins have to get through those guys for the next 12 years. And I know we've been saying that, but it's just one of those things that gets hammered home when they win their third Super Bowl in, in four years. It's uh I mean, when you put it like that, it's hard to take away anything else. And I'm sure that there are people out there who are thinking to themselves that the only way that Miami is going to get anywhere or any team for that matter, if you want to beat Patrick Mahomes, you basically have to clone Patrick Mahomes and make him your quarterback, which, uh, I mean, technology's come pretty far these days. Not that I condone the whole concept of cloning, but nevertheless, the whole the entire concept of beating Kansas City because there are people talking about, oh, we first we need to get by Buffalo. Buffalo is our biggest obstacle. No, Buffalo is not your biggest obstacle. Are you crazy? Just because we keep losing the Buffalo doesn't make them our biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle, like you mentioned, Eric, now and forever until he retires, is Patrick Mahomes. Not even the Chiefs. Because I'll give you, I'll grant you this: there are a lot of people talking about how 
Mahomes himself did not do a whole lot in that game. And he didn't. Not in, re- in reality, he did not. Like the last drive, okay. But it's the Chiefs' defense this time that really came up big. That was the reason Kansas City made it so far. Steve Spagnuolo and those guys, they were able to hold down the fort. They made it so that even when the Chiefs could not score like 30 points a game, which they have not for quite some time on a consistent basis, they were still able to win. They were still able to be. It didn't matter who they faced. It did not matter that they faced against the league MVP, Lamar Jackson. It did not matter that they faced the Miami Dolphins high-flying offense, whether it was warm or cold. It did not matter. It did not matter that they faced against San Francisco, who was the best team in the NFC, bar none. It didn't matter. They found a way to stop them. And it, it, it's, it's very, like you said, sobering to think. And if, you, uh, if you've if you been in the OnlyFans chat, which again, by the way, only $3 a month, the three yards per carry official Discord server, you can get on, on that. It's very sobering to think, man, is it what's it going to take? What is it going to take to be able to get to the Super Bowl and not have to get through Patrick Mahomes? The, 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 the only time that I can think of, who did Patrick Mahomes lose to? Like he lost to Tom Brady once that I can remember in the playoffs. And that was the year. Oh, twice, twice. Okay. And one of those was the year that Brady won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. So it's, it's hard to make the argument maybe that the only thing that matters is not the quarterback. But when you see these things, it's very difficult to see the forest through the trees. Because you see that just that golden shining light that is Patrick Mahomes, the, the, the star of the show, no questions about it. And you just think this, this man is unstoppable. You can't beat him. But if you actually examine it and you look at it, Mahomes was a part of it to be sure, but he was not the reason they came up with a win. He was not the reason because if the 49ers have been able to score more points early on, which they could have, they've done it against other teams. They could have easily scored more points, but they didn't because that defense was so stout and so tough that for all the talk that people were trying to make about Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, all these guys, they're all extremely talented players. And yet when it came to facing the chiefs defense, they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't. And give credit to the 49ers defense because for a long time in that game, the Chiefs couldn't do a whole lot either. They didn't. What was the final score? I can't. It was like 25 22. 25 22. Okay. So it took them all game long just to be able to get to 20. So that says a lot about the two defenses that were playing. So. If I'm going to start taking lessons away from this, obviously, yes, you need your quarterback to be top tier. Brock Purdy, I do not put him in the top tier status. I'm so sorry. I just can't. Uh, he's going to have to, I don't know, the, the whole the whole system with Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy Garoppolo was making it work for a while, and then Brock Purdy showed up. And I'm not going to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best quarterbacks in football. I'm, I just can't. So that's the difference between Brock Purdy and Tua. I'll say that because the offense for Miami falls apart as soon as Tua's gone. I will say that if I'm the Miami Dolphins, 
I am looking at what happened with San Francisco and Kansas City. And I'm going to say that lesson number one, find a way to make your defense one of the top defenses. That's my number one lesson. Not so much the quarterback has to be unstoppable because we've we've seen unstoppable quarterbacks get stopped. Lamar Jackson gets stopped. Josh Allen gets stopped. And if you're going to say that the only reason, the only truly unstoppable quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, then like you said, Eric, yeah, just skip the next 10 years of football and just give them the Super Bowl trophy every single year. There's no point in playing. And we can't do that. We got to find a way. There has to be a way somewhere. Because even as good as Tom Brady was, there were ways to slow down Brady. There were ways to beat Brady. Brady did not win the Super Bowl every single year. It felt like it. It felt like it. But he did not win the Super Bowl every single year. So I've been talking long. Uh, Andy, I want to get your thoughts on this whole thing because you've been waiting patiently. So go ahead and let's get hear your thoughts on the whole thing. Imagine as it comes to the Dolphins and what we learned from the Super Bowl, I agree with you guys completely. The 49ers is kind of like the blueprint that we you can kind of see that we've been trying to copy a little bit. We have our own molds, like, you know, two elite corners on the edge on defense, um, two running back system, three running back systems as compared to a, a workhorse that they have over there. But for the most part, we, this team was molded very similarly to way, the way they've been developing their, their program for the past few years. And they haven't been able to get the job done. You know, four times in two years, you make it there and you fail. It kind of tells you to the same. You fail to the same team, to the Chiefs. So it kind of like, damn, like is that our is that our ceiling? Losing to the Chiefs or losing to the Bills? No, that's the first one we got to get over. Like you guys also mentioned, you can't just lay over and 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 let them run over you. You you got to make an effort to keep improving. You got to find ways to to get in the lab and and figure out what combinations of coordinators, of players, of pass rushers, of offensive talent is required to, to be the next Chiefs, to be the guy that takes them that takes them out of the out of the way to get to be the new king of the AFC. Can we do that this offseason? I, I think I think this team was was built to perform in the playoffs, perform in the playoffs at home when they were healthy. Let, let's hope health is on our side. But it's a, it's a little gloomy. It's a little gloomy, I guess, you know, but entering entering the game, you kind of you, – a piece of you, I think all of us kind of knew that the Chiefs were going to get – were, were going to win the game just, just off of that, you know, Disney Channel storybook ending type stuff. You know, I think CBS Sports dropped on, on Twitter, like a mic'd up Kelsey talking to Swift and hugging and kissing and, at, you know, like after the game, like – they, they, they were planning for this to happen. They wanted this to happen. The most viewed televised event in history was this last Sunday Super Bowl. So that's that's what the NFL wanted to happen. So let's just hope that Taylor Magic was just for one season because if it happens for another season, maybe the Chiefs go for a three-peat and the NFL will, will nudge to make sure that that happens. Who knows? I mean, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to get too far into conspiracies because then it's like, bro, yeah, I don't know, we're, we're right back to the same thing again. Yeah. It's like, who, what, what's the point? <laughs> no, that's why I'm like, it, it's it's fun. Like we mentioned in the last show, it's fun to have a competitive team for a change. It's fun to have a team where in December, if you're bickering about whether we're good enough or not, at least you're bickering about something. You're emotional about something, and you're not bickering about who should we pick at number eight. 
you know, I like I like those conversations a little better versus, you know, looking ahead at free agency, looking ahead at the draft. So as we stay competitive, the NFL is a long season and a lot of things can happen. Random injuries can happen. You know, lack of chemistry like we saw with Philly. They were about, what were they, 10-1? and 1, And then they ended up finishing 10-7. and 7. Like, you don't know what can happen during the season. And when it's your time, it's your time. When you finish hot, you can finish 9-8 and eight, into the playoffs. And you win four in a row. Like we've seen with the Giants in the past. We've seen with the Packers in the past. So you play to win the game. You, you play to put yourself in the position for luck to be on your side. You could build a super team, but at the end of the day, maybe you're not healthy enough. And may, maybe you just get beat. So you, you, you got to play to make it there. And whatever happens, happens at that point. I feel like, so if we're going to look at lessons here, and I already gave the first one is that we need to, we need to stock up the defense. We do. And rule number one, and I and I know the the guys on three yards per carry are kind of projecting that this is this is the end for his tenure. But if I'm the Miami Dolphins, priority one besides extending Tua, and that's for different reasons in a moment, and I'll get into number one priority is find a way to keep Christian Wilkins. This man cannot walk. He you cannot allow him to walk. He is I've been saying for going on a year and a half now that he is the heart and soul of the Miami Dolphins defense. Don't give me Jalen Ramsey. Don't give me Xavier Howard. Don't give me any of these other guys. Christian Wilkins is the heart and soul, the heartbeat of that defense. And the fact that he and Zach Sealer are such a potent duo, it opens up so many doors. You're going to tell me that Anthony Weaver, who's coming from the Baltimore Ravens and having learned under John Harbaugh and that physical caliber defense, you're going to tell me that he's going to look at Christian Wilkins and say, no, nah, we don't need you. I can't imagine that because you're going to keep Zach Sealer, which they already extended him. That's great. But how do we know that Zach Sealer by himself was the, was the key there? How do we know that it wasn't the combination of him and Wilkins together that made them so potent in the first place? Because if you put Zach Sealer next to, let's say, for instance, Brandon Peely, is Zach Sealer going to be the same player? He's not because you need if you have other players who are good surrounding you, you are going to look better. That is just kind of the way that these things go. We talk about this whole concept of quarterbacks elevating the players around them, making them better than they actually are. Yeah. And by the same token, good players on the um, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line can make a quarterback look better than they actually are. So. And again, this is the, we'll, this is getting into commentary about Tua, but I'm going to save that for later on. My point being, you want to get this defense up and running. There has to be a consistent scheme that all the players can get on board with, and there has to be some level of adaptability that we already talked about this several times. Vic Fangio is not willing to be adaptable. He did not want to change. He was focused on making sure that it was going his way or the highway, and he was not going to change his stance no matter what it was going on. Kater Kohu, you're going to continue to get burned by Stefan Diggs until you get good, which he never did. And you, uh, Jalen Ramsey, are not going to be covering the number one receiver because I said so, and that's just that's not a good formula. That's not a good fit for the culture of this team. Anthony Weaver is very much in the same realm as the Mike McDaniel style of coaching. He's a guy who's going to be players first. He wants to try to find the, the ways that make the players stand out. He wants to teach them how the best way to develop their skills and all those things. It's not about the Vic Fangio scheme. It's not about making sure that the scheme is 
best set up with the players that they have. The scheme changes depending on who's there. Now, does that mean Anthony Weaver is going to be content with whoever he gets? I would hope not. I would hope he makes a point to say Christian Wilkins needs to find a way to stay, make it happen. There are other players on this defense that I would say we don't need as badly as we need Christian Wilkins. For instance, I don't think we need Xavier Howard that badly. I think we can move on from Xavier Howard. We don't need Xavier Howard as badly as we need Christian Wilkins. I would even make the argument we don't need Jerome Baker as badly as we need Christian Wilkins. And that's say, and that's as somebody who came to the realization that Jerome Baker is actually very critical to this defense because as soon as he left, you noticed that he had left. Even then, I'm saying you don't need Jerome Baker as badly as you need Christian Wilkins. Obviously, Emmanuel Ogba is a nothing. He's easy money. So sorry to him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's obsolete at this point. Um, I would say I'm, I'm trying to go down the list here of guys that we don't really need on this team right now. Um. But that's about it as far as defense goes. There's a lot of players I would, but there's a, the, all the expensive labor comes from Howard, Ramsey, and he's staying. You don't have to pay Javon Holland yet, which is good. You still have, you're, you're going to have to pay Christian Wilkins if you want to keep this defense going. Cause I don't know, because otherwise you're going to have to use your first round pick, I think, to find a way to replace him or find somebody on that same level. Christian Wilkins was a first rounder, he was incredibly talented at Clemson. The reason that so many players at Clemson made a career for themselves were, was because he was there. Where's Claylin Farrell been? Has he a superstar pass rusher like we all thought he was going to be? Nope. He didn't have Christian Wilkins to open the holes for him. So there's a, how, I, like, there were a lot of players on that Clemson team that got drafted before Christian Wilkins, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it. So how many of them still have budding careers? How many of them are going to get paid top dollar for what they do? I can only think of Wilkins. And the funny thing is that he was the only one who was being looked at as a bust early on. My how the turns table. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of how I said that. It's supposed to be funny. I mean, the Cleveland, the Cleveland Farrell thing, I think his bat pick was pretty, pretty universally panned. Wasn't that the year Mike Mayock was the GM <sighs> of the Raiders and they took him at four when everybody was like, he should have been taken in like late first. Um, but, but, but I mean, they still saw him as a good pass rusher. No, absolutely. But that's completely immaterial to the point here. I guess my, my, firstly, my takeaway is as far as what the Dolphins need to do is they need to fall in love with the details, um, of the game, because the truth is when you get into these high level playoff type games, uh, it's momentum swings, it's three or four plays. It's the. It's the punt that goes off of the gunner's foot that you have to jump on, um, but you can't recover it. And the Chiefs get the ball at the nine-yard line, score like the next play. It's it's the detail-oriented thing because when I watch teams play the Chiefs, I realized it's like it's like I'm watching it's like I'm watching uh, the Halloween movies, and I'm watching Michael Myers just chase down these 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 teams that get out to this lead and they start running and they're and they're bumbling and they're stumbling and they're running into things because they're so nervous that Michael Myers is going to catch them and here's here's Michael Myers just just strolling up you know just walking as cool as as possible and chasing these teams down you can't get you can't you you got to be mentally tough and you have to be details oriented for one Which um, the 49ers apparently were not they didn't even know the overtime rules Right, 
Right. And so it, it requires, it requires that level of, you know, execution and perfection to kind of, to kind of hang around. And that's true of any high level uh, playoff game in the NFL. These games are decided, you know, by, by a handful of plays, realistically speaking. Um, and it, when it, when they're close, at least uh, to get, to get into the Wilkins thing, I guess my only question to you, Lewis, is okay. Well, is is there a dollar amount where there's like a red line, and you're like, you know what, Christian, no. if you're asking for Aaron Donald money, I'm sorry, I love you, but you know, tag and trade or something like that. At this, okay, look, if he's asking for Aaron Donald money, I don't think even Aaron Donald could command Aaron Donald money anymore. And that's, and it's not to say that Aaron Donald isn't still an elite player; he is, but he's getting older. He right. will eventually start to get slower. It is inevitable. And Dominic Sue is not the same unstoppable force of nature he used to be when he was in his late 20s, early 30s. He didn't even get signed. We looked at him and he still didn't get signed. So I don't know if that's just because he didn't feel like it, which if it is, okay, good for him. He feels like he's played enough. But even then, we weren't looking at Dominic Sue and being like, this is the missing piece of the defense. Like he would have been a depth piece. Right. Aaron Donald. I, I, was he getting that many votes for defensive player of the year this year? It seemed like there was a time where anybody but Aaron Donald as defensive player of the year would have been a blasphemous vote. I can't think of a single person who chose Aaron Donald to be their pick. And if no, anybody did, it was say again, it's definitely a down year compared to the last couple of years. Right. But that's what I'm saying. If the league is, what have you done for me lately? And we looked at Christian Wilkins and said, you're not worth the good money because you don't have all these sacks. And I screamed to the heavens. If y'all listened to my shows in the past, you know for a fact that this is true. I, 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 I screamed. I yelled. I debated. I fought with the whole concept of, is Christian Wilkins worth it? Yes. He's already worth it. And, I've, and, I've used, and I use numbers. I use numbers. To prove my point, people talking about no sacks. Oh, he doesn't have sacks like Darren Payne. He doesn't have sacks like Quinn and Williams. He doesn't have sacks like the Dexter Lawrence. So he has more tackles than any defensive lineman in the NFL for the past two years running. And so the Dolphins gambled. They said, we're not going to pay you. And now he had a career high in sacks. More than everybody else that people were saying, oh, he didn't get sacks like X players. Now, all those players that he was being compared to, he had more sacks than all of them. What does that tell you? Oops. Oops. <laughs> That's what it tells me. Oops. You definitely you definitely can't let him go, even if it's franchise tag. Even if you only want him for one year for this last push before to, uh, well, not, before his extension, potential extension kicks in um, in the salary cap, you, you need to retain all your top talent and add more top talent to the team. Because this is going to be your last real year to make a push before the cap, the salary cap situation says, "Hi, I'm here to collect my my money." Mm-hmm. You, can only, you can only pass that credit card so many times before it says to claim. Yeah, we don't have the the Houdat coins that the New Orleans Saints seem to <laughs> thrive on over the years, and even then, it's not like they didn't lose talent. They eventually did lose to Ron Armstead. Yeah. So yeah, little, little by little, you, you start losing big pieces like that. You you lose an Armstead. In our case, you lose a Wilkins, you could potentially lose another key piece. And another person we haven't been able to really talk about, Connor Williams. That's another key piece to our offensive line. Do we keep him? How's his rehab going? 
if you replace him, is it going to be a rookie? Is it going to be a veteran? What's the market look like? It's a couple key pieces we need to we need to look at. Is is Connor Williams even the biggest free agent on the offensive line though? When you consider Robert Hunt's a free agent too? Yeah, man. I prefer Robert Hunt. I really and do. Me, me too. No, certainly. Because um, Robert Hunt, aside from this year, he has been an Iron Man. He's been the best offensive lineman on the entire team, mm-hmm. and it, it it doesn't even seem close to me. I feel like Robert Hunt has earned the fact that he needs to get paid somehow. And once again, I leave that to Chris Greer and Brandon Shore to figure out. They've been very good about that sort of thing, just trying to find ways to make things fit. But if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I would severely consider picking up Jackson Powers Johnson. Hmm. As he's a center, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. I would like a new center. I like. A, I would love. To, remember when we drafted Mike Pouncey? That was fun. Pouncey was good oh. when he was healthy. He was a stud. He kept that line going for a while. Like people he, hated that pick too. People were like a center in the first round. That's so boring, man. I'd love to have some boring in Miami again. Can I? Yeah. Can we? Can, can, <laughs> I, I under like I understand the stigma against Chris Greer and drafting offensive linemen. Oh, he can't draft offensive linemen. Oh, the last one he picked was like Austin Jackson, and that didn't go well. Listen, he played. Wait, wait, has it not gone well? Up he until now. He redeemed himself this year, that's for sure. He uh, he, he earned an extension. Okay, hold on. That's hold all on. you can ask for. Hold on. Wait a minute. I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. I'll push back on that a little bit. I'm not going to take away anything. I'm not going to take away any improvement that Austin Jackson has had. He's had improvement. He has. And he, he did it just in time. Just in time to get paid, I should mention, <laughs> because he's been awful up until then. So, but I will say this. I have to take this revival of Austin Jackson with a little bit of a grain of salt. And the reason I do that is because it's the same argument. I've been having this argument in, in real life with people at work. Talking about how oh, the off the Dolphins' offense is awful, I'm like, okay, but understand something. The offense because people talk about Tua, and this is happening on Twitter as well. Like Tua is the reason that the Dolphins' offense falls apart. I, I don't believe that's the case. I really don't. And without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The reason I say that is because if your offense is predicated on two seconds or less and get the ball out, Okay, that's how you designed it. I feel like it's a flawed design to some extent. It works when it's working, but if it doesn't, you need something else to fall back on, something more traditional, something that you can say, okay, let's try this instead because our quick hits aren't working. You can't because you can't just keep trying to pound it against a brick wall if it's not going to give. So if I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking at the offensive line. And coming to the realization that if anybody in the NFL and nobody else comes close, Tua got the ball out faster than any other quarterback in the league. And that was not just because he was able to read the defense so quickly. He could read defenses quickly. He anticipated where the ball was supposed to go. But the reason he got it out so fast 
was because that was the plan all along. They knew the offensive line wouldn't hold. That was their plan from the beginning. When when Chris Greer, I really believe this. Like when Chris Greer says that we're not as worried about the offensive line as you guys are, the reasoning is because Mike McDaniel made it a point to say, listen, he's not going to hold the ball that long anyway. The offense is predicated on getting the ball out two seconds or less. So that helps the offensive line look better because if pass rushers can't get to Tua before the ball's gone, then suddenly the offensive line looks a lot better. But if two has to stand back there and wait for somebody because the first read's not there, then you have to count on them to hold, and that's when things fall fall to pieces because Tua is not a horizontal runner. If you want Tua to escape a pocket, he has to have some inlet he can go forward and then try something. He doesn't run horizontal. He's not good at that. So I'll I'll, I'll give you this. I I I agree with you like eighty percent of the way here. Um, what I will say is. There is something, and I and I and I hate to to go back to this because it feels like it's been something that we've harped on all season long. But the offense looked a little bit different in the first month of the season when the entire line was healthy. So I do want to just. There was a point in time where the line was legitimately when everyone was healthy. Not to say that it was this great top five offensive line, but it was at least a, a at least a an above average unit altogether when everyone was healthy right, now can you count on that on, over a full no. 17 game season no but i think you know but a lot of teams compared to Austin Jackson, the offensive line started to fall apart coincidentally when you know isaiah Wynn and connor williams and robert hunt went down and Teron armstead as well for and his usual course, seven yeah. eight games but he had a he had a decent replacement, so he, I wasn't too worried, you know. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, Kendall Lamb did good. I, I'm very happy with how we got Kendall Lamb on a cheap deal, and I think that if Miami's smart, they'll keep him around again. But that's exactly my point, though, Eric, is that the offensive line, for all this talk about the resurgence, it was only because they had the starting five, and that was extremely brief, extremely brief. And as soon as things started to fall apart, yes, the whole offense as a whole started to fall to pieces. There is not. I cannot remember a team that has had worse luck on the offensive line as far as health goes than the Dolphins in the past few years. How many? Uh, well, I guess the Jets. <laughs> Ironically enough, the Jets have had maybe worse luck on the offensive line than Miami has. But either way, I'm looking at it from this perspective. You need guys who are going to stay healthy. Buffalo didn't, as far as I remember, Buffalo did not have a lot of injuries on their offensive line. They were a tough offense to face. San Francisco had a few injuries, but for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, they were able to keep most of their guys. Um, I don't think the Ravens had that many injuries on their offensive line. If you got, if you can look it up and just fact check me, I'll take it. I don't mind. But those three teams, it's, it's nice to mention at least the Ravens and the and the Niners. They've had constant years of like good drafting where they have good reserves as compared to us and. We've had an okay drafting, and our reserves, at least in the offensive line, were kind of subpar, which becomes part of that. Like we saw with 49ers this weekend, actually, Greenlaw, that freak injury in the first quarter, his replacement got smoked the whole game in coverage uh, at the, in the linebacker position. So that, that, that's something important when you're building a team, not just your top 11 on each side, but who do you have behind them for the inevitable 20 30% of injuries you're going to be dealing with. 
So the the other thing that I did that I do want to just say here, um, you know, and I and and I I hate being the guy that has to defend Chris Greer. I don't want to put my keep on for Chris Greer right now, especially when we're talking about the offensive line. Um, but to be really fair, we we have talked about how number one Robert Hunt was kind of this Iron Man prior to him getting hurt. Um, I pulled up Connor Williams games played by seasons and this is, and I'm just going to go back to 2020 here because I think going back to, I mean, he played 10 gate, uh, started 10 in 2018, started 11 in 2019, but from 2020 to 2022, he started 16 games, 14 games, 17 games. And then last year, uh, obviously the broken leg started nine games. If a guy's giving you 14, 16, 17 games in a three year stretch, that's like three missed three missed games in a, in a three-year stretch, you can't – obviously, you can't count on health 100% for any one player. Um, but to act like it was only a matter of time before before he went down, uh, you know, the only guy that I think we were all looking at in that way was Teron Armstead. Um, no, so, we were looking at Isaiah Wynn, too. Well, I but Isaiah Wynn wasn't even a known quantity. We didn't even know he was going to be good. Um, right, so that makes it even worse. We were picking a guy who was injury prone and was not guaranteed to be that, good. The left guard was a comp- the left side of the line was a complete question mark because you didn't know about Tron Armstead's health and you didn't know about uh, and you didn't know about Isaiah when if he could play or or if he would stay healthy. Um, but two out of the three guys that that went down that impacted you the most along the offensive line were guys that for the most part throughout their careers, you could count on to be healthy. So I'm not sitting here and saying, you know, Chris Greer built this offensive line and oops, everything went bad, super bad luck. But maybe, maybe 60% of that was just, you know, luck because you have guys like Robert Hunt and Connor Williams who have been healthy throughout their careers go down. Well, if I'm Miami, this is the in date is talking about it in the chat. What's a learn from the Super Bowl trenches? Yes, 100%. My second lesson from the Super Bowl is the Dolphins want to make it deep in the playoffs, build a wall in front of Tua. I'm sorry for all these people talking about how, oh, Tua is actually worse when he had more time to throw the football. Tua having more time to throw the football is one thing if he has to dodge around the pocket and find somebody in the middle of a hailstorm, so to speak. If I, I, I keep calling back to this because it still baffles me that it happened. But once again, we go back to the indomitable, the invincible, the incredible Patrick Mahomes. There was a highlight. Y'all remember it. He had 10 seconds to find somebody. And he found Travis Kelsey five yards down the field, who, by the way, Kelsey had to die for it just to make the catch. 10 seconds just to sit back there. He had to dodge like one or two, one or two guys the whole time. And even then, all he was able to do was find a five-yard dump off to no one. This that is tell me one. Can I you can anybody remember even in Alabama one time when Tua just could sit back there, order a pizza, and just wonder, mm, maybe somebody'll come open in a few more. Just gotta wait a little bit longer. Oh, there's the guy. Never, not once, certainly not in the NFL. Whether it was with McDaniel or Flores, it doesn't matter. Tua's never had that luxury. Like people talk, I, I this is part of the whole issue for me, is particularly with the quarterback discussion. Is that when the Dolphins drafted Tua, 
we were expecting Alabama Tua, the 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 unstoppable juggernaut that is him going deep down the field to his greatest weapons and all that wonderful stuff. Alabama also had a top tier offensive line. So if you want to say that Tua can't function without a top tier line, you can make that argument if you want. But name me how many quarterbacks out there can function without having confidence that their line is going to hold up. Patrick Mahomes is confident that his line is going to hold up. He's not worried that Creed Humphrey is going to get up a, give up a sack. He's not worried that his line is going to suddenly come crashing down around him. He's confident. He's, he's chill. He's just relaxing back there. And if he has to play backyard football, he's more than happy to do so. So if you have a pocket quarterback, you need to you better darn well give him a pocket. Drew Brees was not – if you we, we, here, I, here I go again, right, the, the comparison. Drew Brees, when New Orleans, when he was Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, he didn't dodge and make acrobatic throws like Patrick Mahomes does now. He didn't bulldoze people like Josh Allen did. He wouldn't unru- He didn't outrun everybody like Lamar Jackson does. He was able to have confidence, read the defense, know that his guys are going to hold on long enough for him to make the throw that he needs to make, and he made a whole career out of it. He did. And for Tom Brady's sake, with Dante Scarnaccia holding the way, it was very much the same way for him. He didn't have to worry about it. He knew that if Scarnaccia running this thing and making sure that his offensive line didn't matter who he threw out there, they were going to be able to hold up for him. He was able to stand back there, look around, wait for somebody to come open. Boom. Got him. You don't stop that. Tua, he's the same kind of player. He's a pocket quarterback. You're not going to expect him to run around. I want him to run more. I know he can run more. I'm not expecting him to be... Jackson or Allen or Mahomes as far as that goes, but I want him to run more just because it keeps defenses on their toes. But he's a pocket quarterback first and foremost. You have to give him a pocket that lasts more than two seconds. You have to. So if players are going to get hurt, if you are not confident in their health, we want to talk about keep drafting quarterback until you find one. I'm going to look at Chris Greer and say, Draft offensive line until you find a good starting five. You can't miss on all of them. You can't. So if I'm I I I make this I make this next comment only half joking. If I'm Chris Greer and I'm starting to look at this draft, if Mike McDaniel starts ooing and eyeing at this next great weapon that's out there and he's like, I want that guy, I will look at Mr. McDaniel and say, you have enough toys. <laughs> we're gonna build a. We're gonna build a foundation, and I will pick Jackson Powers. Um, I will pick um, Jackson Powers Johnson. I'll pick. <laughs> I'll pick uh, Brandon Coleman. I'm just throwing names out there that uh, uh, Chris Kaufman has brought up as a list of players that he likes. Um, I'll, I'll pick whoever I need to get my hands on. Uh, Graham Barton. I'll grab Troy Fatanu. I don't. I, that's probably hot, not how you say his name. Joe Alds, Jordan Morgan, whoever is an offensive lineman, go fix the offensive line for God's sakes. Fix the offensive line. I don't care about anything else. We have enough weapons. We still have Tyreek. We still have Jalen Waddle. We still have Devon Achan. By the way, if Raheem Mostert sticks around, we still have him. We don't even need Jeff Wilson at this point. He's basically added. He's just basically just an added piece. He's a backup. So, but most of an HN by themselves are weapons coming out of like phenomenal weapons. And Not if you need a bulldozer, if, if you need, I want to say, if you need a bulldozer, you have Chris Brooks. So, 
I, I, I don't see the need for Jeff Wilson. You, the Dolphins have weapons. It's not about weapons anymore. Tua made it work with Flores, with Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry, Priston Williams, and some other dudes that I can't even remember their names. Isaiah Ford. Oh, let's not forget Isaiah Ford. Tua made it work with these guys. You, you're telling me that Tua, that Tyreek and Waddle and Achan and all those guys, very, very talented offensive skill players. They're not enough for Tua. Yes, they're enough for Tua. Tua made it work with subpar weapons before in a different offense, grant you. But he made it work. That was why we were excited to see Tua. That's why we were sick of the Fitzpatrick experiment because we were seeing that Tua had potential and Flores was shutting him down. That doesn't just go away. Fix the offensive line. Give him some time to look back there and be confident in his ability to just scan the field and find an open guy. Seriously. You try making a split-second decision in two seconds or less every single snap, and if it doesn't work, just just keep think, just keep thinking, oh, I have to go out there and do it again, and I have to hope and pray that somebody's going to be there because if they're not, I'm going to throw another interception. That's hard. It's not sustainable. If Mike McDaniel goes into – that's probably the third lesson that I'll have here. Coaches need to be willing to adapt their scheme if things are not going well. If Mike McDaniel goes into year three trying to do this same offense again with Tua getting rid of the ball two seconds or less or three seconds or less, otherwise things are going to go sour and you know it's going to go sour, then I was, I'm just going to look at Mike McDaniel and say, dude, you need, a le- you need to learn a lesson here, man. Otherwise, your head coaching career is going to go down the toilet real fast. I like you a lot. I like McDaniel. He's smart. He's very efficient. He's very skilled in what he does. Don't be stubborn. That's what killed Adam Gase, man. It wasn't even that Adam Gase didn't know offense. Adam Gase was stubborn. He thought he was the smartest guy in the room. He thought that nobody had the right to tell him what to do because he knew better than everybody else. Don't be just the funny guy who's smarter than everybody else. Like Just because you have a sense of humor doesn't mean that you get excused from making the same mistakes that Adam Gase did. Don't do it. Change it. Fix it. Look at what's wrong with it. Make adjustments. The offensive line needs fixing. If you had to, if you gave Tua enough time to look around and see if maybe somebody could get open, then maybe Cedric Wilson and Craycraft and Braxton Berrios would have been enough. But if you only have time to get the ball to Tyreek and Waddle because they're the only ones who can get open in two seconds or less, that's not sustainable. Fix the offensive line. Give Tua time to throw. That's that's my lesson. Comments, concerns, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, adding that wrinkle to the offense, man, that that's key. Adding that wrinkle where where Tua can go can go off script and off script wrinkle to the offense, and it makes the defense, like you said, keep keeps them on their toes. Because right now, you know, NFL players are, are way too smart. They watch film. They understand offenses. Like they understand what your offense is trying to do. If every time you're in, you got two seconds or less. Okay, it's going to be a quick throw, or it could be a deep throw, but it's going to be in the first 2.5 seconds. But it, it, once you start moving around the pocket because your offensive line can hold, once you start making plays, you know, Tula, you know, he, he's a cerebral quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback. But he also has a bit of, of gunslinger in him. He likes to take risks. He likes to make big plays. One, once you, It's hard to make big plays in two seconds. So I, I totally agree with that. Build the wall. Build the Great Wall of Miami in front of him. The what you got the weapons. Your weapons are perfectly fine. 
Durham Smite is a, is a complimentary tight end. They seem to really like um, Julian Hill. They see something in him. He didn't do much um, during the season, but he didn't have a lot of opportunities. Our running back rotation is fine. The defense will take care of itself. Um, Hopefully. We don't, know what, we don't know what Anthony Weaver is going to do, so we're yeah. crossing our fingers on that one. Crossing our fingers. It's hard to mess up a top five unit. Hopefully he doesn't. And, and yeah, I, I believe in two I always have, man. I, I don't – that's that's the least of my worries is the quarterback position. Now, I see guys in the comments talking about extensions. If it comes – Yeah, because I've been, I've, been, I've been holding off on the Tua talk as much as I possibly Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it comes now or it comes later, you can't deny it's not a, he's a top-10 quarterback in the league. And they don't – Well, they some don't people absolutely deny that, Andy. They will deny that with their dying breath. That's crazy to me. Like back to back years being a top three producer, just just numbers wise, not even looking at play, not even looking at film or talent, just numbers wise, top three back to back years, are performing many top quarterbacks like Mahomes stat wise. Like he's a top ten quarterback, no matter how you slice it. Does he need to come up better in big moments? It would help to have an offensive line for those big moments. It would help to have a healthy team, but you know everybody faces these type of issues. Don't worry about that. Like, how many times have Dolphin fans been able to say in 25 years, oh, we have a top 10 quarterback? Never. Was, Tannehill was always teetering, you know, 14, 15 in his best day, maybe number 12 in the league. Chad Henney was not great. Tyler Thingpin, Mag Moore. Don't forget Chad Pennington, bro. Chad Pennington, give, he, give, he give, give credit nice. to the man. He was pretty nice for that one season. I wish his shoulder held up a little longer. You know, like, appreciate what you have. Us sports fans, we, we have the tendency, especially Miami fans, to just, like, complain when we're bad and complain when we're good and just enjoy what you have, man, because in a season or two, this, this team is going to look really different. And you're going to be on YouTube searching 2023, 2022 Dolphin highlights, trying to remember the good old days, man. I'm telling you. So I'm 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 ready for the tomato emojis to come out. And throw tomatoes at me. Okay, um, you're gonna because... be anti Tua. I don't think. No, 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 no. Think you get my kid celebration. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be fence riding guy here, um, because I think the answer lies a little bit in between what I because there's there's this there's these two diametrically opposed ideas, uh, especially on Twitter, and it's and it's frustrating because it's like, well, you need to either. You know, you have these people that are like, no, Tua needs another weapon because they don't have anybody after Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And then you have people that say, well, you need to build a wall because it doesn't matter who you have behind Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle when you can't get the ball out in two seconds. I think the answer is kind of in between the two, just a little bit, if I'm honest. Um, Because let's be honest, Tyreek Hill plays 60% of snaps on in a given game. And how often does he go down with cramps? Uh, Jalen Waddle. He's he's started to to kind of catch that injury bug a little bit. Your your two top guys in Kansas City were not at a hundred percent, and I think that there's a strong case to be made. For example, that they missed a, a guy that they let walk last year in Trent Sherfield. They missed him this year. Whether whether we want to admit that or not, they did. Um, now. Do they need to build up the offensive line to give to a, a lot more time? Absolutely. And do I think that they need to go out and, and, and draft a wide receiver in the first round? No, I'm not saying that. 
but I do think that they need somebody who, like Trent Sherfield, understands how to get open in those big moments, in those third and four, third and five situations. That is just another reliable option that Tua can go to. Um, of course, the offensive line needs to be priority number one and two. Uh, but I think it's a little it, to look at to look at what we ha- to look at what they have in the wide receiver room beyond Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, what are you what are you really hoping for there that Eric Azukanma develops? I mean, he, I mean, he, he already was on his way. It's just that he got hurt. Right. But 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 progression is isn't is rarely linear like that. And so we don't know, you know, if he's going to be the guy that showed the promise this year and last year in the preseason. You know, I think I think that I look at a guy like I look at the Super Bowl and I heard some people bringing this up and I look at, uh, you know, who the 49ers most productive wide receiver was in this in the game on Sunday. Jawan Jennings. And I look at him as a guy that's 6'3", 212, an unbelievable blocker at the wide receiver position, probably going to come relatively cheap. That's the kind of number three receiver I think Miami would need to add. I'm not asking them to spend big money on the position, but I do think that there is something to be said for, hey, we do need a plan C in this offense beyond Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle. And I know that the running back room is strong. Um, just as a, as an aside here, um, I know that a lot of people said that Devon HN is kind of like, uh, you know, the Dolphins version of Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. The Dolphins did not use Devon HN in the past game nearly enough for my liking personally this season. I don't know if that was Tua not wanting to check down or not having the ability to, because he didn't have the time to, or Mike McDaniel, just not scheming that enough. Uh, I would I would definitely get him involved in the pass game more. But I think the answer is the offense needs to build up the offensive line and bring in one more steady, reliable option in the in the in the in the pass catching group. I don't think it's like this big one or the other type deal. Okay. So well I I mean I didn't think it was one or the other. I just think one is higher to prioritize than the other. I would love if Tua could get another toy to play with, but I don't think that that's very important right now. And I should mention this. I just looked up the contract for Cedric Wilson. He's still under contract with Miami. He's, he's not a free agent until 2025. Like, I know that we're taught people talking about, oh, it's a void year, but he's still showing him under contract. And How much money does it save him to cut? Um, actually, according to Over the Cap, you literally gain nothing by cutting Cedric Wilson at any point. <laughs> so you might as well keep him. Like even post June first, all you're doing is you cut Cedric Wilson, is you're losing two point five million dollars. Hmm. There's literally no point in cutting him. Zero. You can't even trade him. <laughs> you're gonna lose money. No, so, there, there was a gentleman in the comments who mentioned, um, you know, once you have the offensive line, it opens up for your other skilled players that maybe aren't don't have the the the. the the speed and the skill set to get off the line quickly, like like Waddle and Hill, you know, Barrios can 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 get open. He just needs a little bit more time. Cedric, and Wilson, he's a slot guy. Don't put yeah. him outside. Don't put him outside. Cedric Wilson, he has talent. Is a comma. What can we expect from him? River Craycraft, he has shown us in the past that he knows how to how to find the the holes in the zone. So maybe we already have the talent on the roster. Just give us another one point five seconds for things to things to happen. You know. 
things to break down and you know you can't cover forever so the long the longer the QB has you know stability in the pocket the, the more likely things can happen so those are the lessons I think we can take from just watching the Super Bowl defense needs to be top tier because I can't think of like was there a single team besides maybe the Lions that made the playoffs that did not have a top tier defense can you think of a few Baltimore, yes. San Francisco, Ironically, yes. probably the Eagles. <laughs> that's that's the that's the craziest thing of all, right? That Sean Desai, uh, Matt Patricia project yeah. didn't go so well. But either way, it's like most of the teams that made it had a top tier defense: San Francisco, Kansas City, Baltimore. Um, I'm I'm trying to I can't even remember who made the playoffs this year because all I remember is that stupid number fifteen and Taylor Swift. That's all I can remember, man. Like nobody else mattered. So, but defense is important. Got to get that going. Build the trenches. And I feel like we say the same thing every year. I, I kind of bought into what McDaniel was saying earlier on, was that Tua needs weapons more than he needs protection. And he made the offense work on that philosophy. But now that we have those weapons, Tyreek and Waddle, you can interchange everybody else at that point. Like after Tyreek and Waddle, if you want to use Cedric Wilson, fine. If you want to use Azumkama, fine. If you want to bring back Craycraft, fine. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Number three, like only Joe Burrow that I can think of has this luxury of having all three guys that he could have counted on. And he's going to, in there, um, I think they're going to franchise tag T. Higgins. But even then, does that mean you're going to lose Tyler Boyd? I can't think of any other team in the whole NFL that has that luxury of saying, oh, we have three top-tier guys that we can count on at any given moment. So if Tua only gets two, Tyreek and Waddle, that's good enough, man. Are, are we counting tight ends? Tight ends for for who? Burrow? As, as, no, as, uh, as pass catchers in that situation. Because we just saw the 49ers with Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo have three great options. Uh, I mean, you throw McCaffrey in there. He he has four top tier options to throw whenever whenever he likes. This is true. I'll give you guys that. But even then, their offensive line, they built the trenches, man. They they fought for those trenches. Yeah. Miami needs to do the same. They need to do the same. You want them to be I want them to be a tough physical football team. You know how that tough physical football team starts and I'm going to be dead honest about it. It's not even on the defensive line. Tough physical football teams usually have top-tier offensive lines. The ones who will eat you alive if you get in their way. <laughs> I love Teron Armstead. I really do. But he's not healthy enough to be the tough guy. I love Robert Hunt's intensity. I hope he stays. We need him. Connor Williams, if we could bump him back to guard and get him to come back on a cheaper deal because of that whole injury thing, which I don't think he's going to go for. He's going to say, y'all are taking advantage of my injury. I'm not coming back. <laughs> That's the only way I think we can keep him. So fix those trenches and Miami will get the job done. I really do. And if he, if Tua has to rely on Cedric Wilson or Eric and Kamama or even somebody like Braylon Sanders that they've been hanging on to all this time, I wouldn't be upset. They've been hanging on to these dudes for a reason. So I think that if Tua can make it work with Malcolm Perry and Preston Williams and and Lynn Bowden Jr. with a coach who was offensively inept. Tua can make it work with Mike McDaniel and less than top-tier weapons if he has the opportunity to look around and find them. 
that's going to be it for this show, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, make sure that you're going over to our other sponsors here. Make sure you're going over to pricepicks.com. Use the promo code five. That's F I V E. And they will match up to $100 on your initial deposit when you sign up. And of course, make sure you click on the links in the description below this YouTube video and go to my Nintendo store. You'll be getting bonus items upon making your purchases of either of these awesome games, super Mario brothers, wonder and super Mario brothers, RPG. Both are available now using the links in the description and you can get bonus items upon making your purchase. All right, that's going to be it for this show. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you all next week for another episode of Pulse Offense Nation. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.